Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Dynamic Dialogue Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Danny Matranga, and in today's episode, we're going to go over five of what I believe to be the biggest misconceptions and lies people believe about their fitness or their quote-unquote fate within fitness, if you will. Some identity-based lines of thinking that I think really hold people back from ultimately reaching what it is that they're capable of and selling themselves short on their fitness journey. Uh, Before we do that, a little housekeeping as to the podcast and the scheduling of the podcast. I've been dropping podcasts about twice a week for the better part of the last six months, and I'd love to thank each and every one of you, before we go any further, for continuing to subscribe, download, and listen to new episodes. It makes a huge difference for me that you guys choose to give me any amount of your precious time, especially when you could you know, divide that uh, time around or kind of allocate that time to so many amazing different creators on all of the various media platforms we have access to, whether it's Netflix, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, HBO Max, various podcasts, you have so much content you can consume. And I'm just really grateful for you continuing to consume mine. I try to keep the episode short and sweet so that you have time for the other stuff because I thought in creating this podcast, there's so many podcasts where the kind of levels uh, and layers that are required to unpack the density of some of the subjects, even within fitness, require hours at a time. And that's part of what makes podcasts so awesome sometimes is they're very deep and can often be quite long form. But I wanted this to be quick and succinct and answer questions and help you guys drive home big rock concepts that will help you be successful in your fitness journeys, whether that be with muscle gain, weight loss, pain management, or you're a personal trainer and you're somebody who would like to get more out of their career, whether that's through learning my tactics or just having generally and form discussions about certain things with experts who I can kind of delegate the expertise to instead of masquerading around like I've really figured it all out. And so I'd love to keep it at a two-time-a-week frequency, but a little feedback from you guys would help a ton. If you follow me on Instagram over at danny.matranga, feel free to send me a DM or an email at danny at coachdannymatranga.com and let me know what days of the week you most like to see downloads. I'm currently, or not downloads, but new episodes available. I'm trying to really get a kind of good pulse check on that from you guys as I look to add a potentially a third day. Uh, just as another layer of housekeeping, uh, I have been working quite hard to open the Core Coaching Method Personal Training Studio and Physical Therapy Clinic, and that is excitedly going to be right here in my hometown of Roner Park, California, or Sonoma County which is where I live. And so getting the opportunity to have clients, patients, athletes, people of various fitness levels and with various goals come in and train in person in a way that's a little bit more intimate than what I had been doing previously at big box gyms where I got started training or at studio gyms where I often rented space or even at home, uh, which I felt was quite nice. And I probably will maintain a home gym and my new home. I'm also moving. All this to say there has been a ton of stuff on my plate, a lot of things keeping me busy, and there's a lot of new and exciting things for you as well. Those of you who listen, the first, of course, like I mentioned, is in-person training right here in Sonoma County. So that offering might not apply directly to you, given that most of you do not live in Sonoma County. In fact, most of you don't live in California. 
But having training sessions right here in Sonoma County that are available to the public to come and work with me, and I haven't really offered anything like this in the last two years. So very exciting there. Helps me keep my finger on the pulse. Also, Core Coaching Method Online, still very much a thing. Still working with online clients personally, although I probably will not be... um, I probably will not be adding clients much through the summer, but I do have a team of phenomenal coaches who employ all of my methods, who are certified, who have worked with coaches and trainers, or or who have worked as coaches and trainers, I should say, for five years minimum. I even have a coach who can deliver coaching entirely in Spanish, which I think is cool because a lot of my followers, that is their preferred language for deliverables, for coaching, for content. And I've done a poor job historically of kind of having something for that audience. So being able to at least connect with coaching there will be really cool. And we also have the Core Coaching Collective app training programs, Elite Physique and Home Heroes. I partnered with Train Heroic to bring you guys these programs so that you can have really cute Really cool, easy-to-use, app-based programming. Home Heroes is four days a week. You can do it from home. Elite Physique is five days a week. You can do it from the gym. Both of these communities are unisex, although Elite Physique is designed specifically for the development of the glutes, hamstrings, quads, core, Uh, so very much skewed towards what I would describe as like a female bodybuilding program four to five days a week. You need a gym, amazing community of dedicated lifters that you can interact with, upload your form for form review, share your PRs, crack jokes, join us in there. You can join us in Home Heroes too, which is that four day a week program you can do from home with just bands and dumbbells. That's a very exciting one. And those are both free to try for a week. You can check those out at the link in the show notes down below. And I think that's really it for housekeeping, guys. Just want to make sure that I'm doing everything I can to keep you up to date on what I'm doing and continue to communicate to you how appreciative I am of you giving me any time at all on any platform. Um, I love what I do working with clients in person, and I love what I do working with clients online, but I also like interfacing with my audience and the people who I don't necessarily have the opportunity to work with directly. So here we go, getting into the five biggest fitness lies people tell themselves that hold them back. The first one is the notion, perhaps and usually unfounded, that I have a slow metabolism. Have you heard this before? I can't lose weight because I have a slow metabolism. It's a pretty common utterance. You you will hear people often uh, communicate this like, oh, when I was, you know, younger, right? Or, oh, I used to be able to eat like that. Or, oh, before kids, I could eat like that. And all of these things, like I mentioned, uh, having had children, when being younger or age, they do, of course, influence our metabolism. So does the size of your body. uh, And so does your genetics at a multitude of different levels. And your genetics certainly influence uh, a, a variety of things with regards to like dopaminergic response to food. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. But truth be told, a lot of the variance in metabolism on an individual basis comes down to NEAT, or non-exercise activity thermogenesis, things like subconscious movement. So if you take two people who are, let's just say, of similar size, similar age, they would, you know, potentially you'd think, have similar metabolism, similar activity level as well. Let's give them that. But the discrepancy between their metabolism oftentimes comes down to NEAT. That is, That seems to be the factor that is the most representative of metabolic output discrepancies between people. So what this means, in theory, 
is that the difference between somebody with a fast metabolism and a quote-unquote slow metabolism is often things like non-exercise specific activity with regards to controllable or semi-controllable factors. The genetic components and elements are there with regards to how we respond to food, uh, you know, our general predisposition for exercise and movement, right? There's so many things, it's, it's impossible to say there's no such thing as a person who has metabolically a lower output than, you know, another person of similar size and weight. That's not my point. My point is that for most people, right, the point or the saying, I have a slow metabolism is often an incomplete assertion of their metabolic capabilities. It's often that like, okay, no, you're shorter. You you typically have uh, less muscle than somebody who's active, and you probably have a sedentary job. And those three factors in in tandem or in concert have a very big influence on your metabolic output. And when you compare your ability to eat a certain amount of food and how that affects your body weight to people who have a substantially higher metabolic output because of those factors, you think, well, my metabolism is fundamentally flawed, slow, or incapable. When quite Frankly, for most people, it's very much the opposite in that the metabolism is adaptable, both upstream and downstream. In the same way that oftentimes people will uh, say, oh my gosh, I dieted for way too long and my metabolism just tanked to, to being super, super slow. Um, you know, the adaptation of, you know, I had such a restricted caloric intake for such a considerable amount of time, my body adapted to that lower caloric intake. And in doing this, in doing this I, I then became stuck with only being able to eat a little bit of food. And if I ate any more than that, I'd gain fat. So it's adaptable, right? That's the downstream adaptation. And then there's the flip side, which is like, hey, the more muscle I have, the more active I am, the more neat I do, the more I get moving, the better sleep I get, uh, the more metabolic output I can expect. And those adaptations go both upstream and downstream. But the notion that fundamentally you were born with just this super slow metabolism and you're fucked and you can't lose weight, which you will hear a lot from people who are, you know, may, they, they might not even be aware of the variances in, in how hormones affect things like appetite, water retention. They might not be aware of the ways in which genetics influence body fat, uh, geography, like where your body fat ends up, anthropometry, how your bones and, and shape is structured. They might just straight up think, no. I just was born with a slow metabolism. I'm not interested in the genetic variants. I'm not interested. All this stuff that, that could play a teeny, teeny role. It's, nope, I've got a slow metabolism and that's just it. And I, I feel that that thought is quite incomplete because it does not, uh, in my opinion, give the metabolism enough credit for its adaptability and for people's, quite frankly, personal capabilities to adjust their routines. I know that not everybody is in a position that they can do that, but a little bit of routine change can go an, often, an awful long way. Of course, for women, there are various things that happen to actually influence your metabolism acutely. I have discussed this quite a bit already or alluded to it quite a bit already, but things like age, right, uh, are, are not necessarily what I'm talking about here. I'm talking more about things like the menstrual cycle, uh, which would be a, a fluctuation of your hormones across the week that can influence your actual metabolic output. And then things like PCOS or even like menopause. Um, but age, interestingly enough, and, and the influence that age has on metabolism, uh, Ponzer is the researcher with the largest, I would say, most robustly available uh, body of evidence studying the age-specific impacts of metabolism, at least that I know of. And there was a 
very popular. There was a, a research published recently that became very popular and kind of made its way through a lot of the various places you can find pop science, I call it, which is just the kind of um, research regurgitated in a way that laymen can really understand it. An example of this would be when they found that Viagra reduced Alzheimer's prevalency by 68.6%. And so they rounded up to like 69% and it was Viagra reduces risk of Alzheimer's by 69%. Uh, and that's the huge headline that goes around. And then when you click in it, instead of linking to the actual study with all the, the research, it links to an article written by somebody who's probably a decent science communicator explaining, hey, this is what that study showed. And so Ponzer had a study come out that basically showed like, hey, after you hit like 50 or 60, I'm going to butcher this, but really common to hear people say, oh, once I, oh, when you get my age, oh, when you get my age, your metabolism fucked. What it looks like is is the actual drop-off on a per-year basis after the age of, I think it was 50 or 60, wasn't as much as, as people thought. I think it was 0.7% per year, so 7% per decade. So, like, after 30 years, like, a 21% decrease, which is certainly substantial. But, like, people communicate that their metabolism has slowed uh, as if, you know, it's been cut in half. And I think a lot of these things are really holding people back because remember, guys, your metabolism is adaptable and it's influenced by your lifestyle and your lifestyle influences your metabolism. Taking a little break from the action here to tell you about our amazing partner, Seed. Seed makes the best probiotic supplement on the market, bar none. I'm very confident with that because I think that the probiotic space and the gut health space in general is filled with people who have no idea what they're talking about or who are looking to make a buck. This isn't to say your gut health isn't important. In fact, it's probably one of the most important and most intriguing developments we have seen in modern medicine and modern physiology. Our relationship with our guts is critical. It's crucial. And taking care of that by eating a lot of different plants, a lot of different fruits and vegetables, getting a diverse array of fiber and resistant starches can go a long way, but so can supplementing with a high quality probiotic. Seed makes the best probiotic on the market with 53.6 billion active fluorescent units. These are organisms that are going to be alive and helping transfer a variety of different benefits to the human host. All these things are actually proven to work in humans. These strains work in humans, not rodents. Seed is not uh, cheaping out here by providing you with any random strain. They're providing you with strains that help with digestive health, gut immunity, gut barrier integrity, dermatological health, cardiovascular health, micronutrient synthesis, as well as many other things. They're vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, um, nut-free, shellfish-free, so very friendly for those of you who may have a variety of different allergies and who are looking for a supplement you can take that can enhance a variety of different things. I have a very, very... Uh, good track record over many, many years of having to deal with things like eczema and having to deal with things like psoriasis on occasion, especially when the weather changes. And I swear to you, since I started taking seed, I have noticed substantially less of that. And there's four strains included in seed shown to help with things like atopic dermatitis. So there you go. Not to mention the plethora of strains for the health of your gut. If you're looking to take your gut health to the next level, you can go to seed.com. Subscribe for their daily symbiotic. You can take one or two a day. You can share it with a partner. Sometimes you can do that. Um, but it goes a long way. It's the best probiotic supplement on the market. I absolutely love it. And you can use the code Danny15 to save. Back to the show. What's going on, guys? Taking a break from this episode to tell you a little bit about my coaching company, Core Coaching Method. More specifically, our app based 
training. We partnered with Train Heroic to bring app-based training to you using the best technology and best user interface possible. You can join either my Home Heroes team, or you can train from home with bands and dumbbells, or Elite Physique, which is a female bodybuilding-focused program where you can train at the gym with equipments designed specifically to help you develop strength as well as the glutes, hamstrings, quads, and back. I have more teams coming planned for a variety of different fitness levels. But what's cool about this is when you join these programs, you get programming that's updated every single week. The sets to do, the reps to do, exercise tutorials filmed by me with me and my team. So you'll get my exact coaching expertise as to how to perform the movement, whether you're training at home or you're training in the gym. And again, these teams are somewhat specific. So you'll find other members of those communities looking to pursue similar goals at similar fitness levels. You can chat, ask questions, upload form for form review, ask for substitutions. It's a really cool training community and you can try it completely free for seven days. Just click the link in the podcast description below. Can't wait to see you in the Core Coaching Collective, my app-based training community. Back to the show. What's going on, guys? Taking a break from the show to tell you about our amazing partners over at Elemental Labs. Elemental Labs makes a flagship electrolyte product known as LMNT Recharge. Recharge is amazing. It's got bioavailable forms of sodium, potassium, and magnesium, which can really help you train, contract your tissues, and get hydrated. I love having it in the morning before my fasted training because oftentimes I wake up without an appetite, but I want something in my stomach so I'm not flat, I can get a pump, and I can get hydrated in the gym and still perform my best. I also love to sip on my recharge when I'm on the golf course or especially when I'm in the sauna. The more you sweat, the more likely it is that you will need to replace valuable electrolytes like sodium, magnesium, and potassium. And while if you have high blood pressure, you might not necessarily be a candidate for electrolyte supplementation, many athletes and active adults need more salt and more electrolytes in their diet than they currently get, especially if they sweat, live in warm climates, or humid climates. I found a bunch of different ways to use my recharge, but like I said, I love using it before and during my training. Whenever I do something active outside or my sweat rate increases or when I'm in the sauna. And you can actually try it completely for free. All their best flavors that are totally free of sugar have only 10 calories. They're sweetened naturally and they come in amazing flavors like raspberry salt, orange salt, citrus salt. My favorite is the mango habanero or mango chili and the lemon habanero, which I take in the sauna. There's flavors for everybody, and you can check them out by going to drinklmnt slash coachdanny. They'll send you every single flavor in an individual packet. You can try them out completely free. Just pay shipping. Drinklmnt.com slash coachdanny. Get your sample pack today completely for free. Just pay shipping. Back to the show. The second lie or oftentimes just misplacement of energy that people communicate is I have bad genetics, whether that be for the development of a particular muscle group or whether that just be for the general shape of their body or whether that, you know, be with regards to where body fat gets deposited. But the fact of the matter is, guys, you can't change a damn thing about your genetics short of building a time machine and going back in time. And I understand it might be easy to sit around and, you know, blame your genetics for why you don't look like somebody who obviously has superior genetics. That's just plain logical. And in fact, I might argue that if you see people who are obviously just genetically incredible and that they have like, 
just not that they didn't work hard, but it's very apparent oftentimes that some people were gifted genetically to just say, hey, you know, good, good for them, good on them. That's not an indictment of me and where I'm at and what my genetics set me up for. But perhaps you can just take a little bit of a breath and go, hmm, okay, maybe that's not the person to compare myself today because my genetics are my genetics. And, you know, I think that's the first thing. But the notion that you have a set of genetics that is so bad that it has predisposed you to failure in fitness or in the development of a particular muscle or in the reduction of a certain level of body fat, to me, is you're holding yourself back. Like there's a number of people who were born or who lost limb, born without or who lost limbs through catastrophic means who go on to run marathons. And whether they were fucked genetically, born into a, in a situation where they had a missing limb or they were, you know, fucked situationally where they ended up in a situation where they lost a leg because of a freak accident or who knows. And then they went on to get, uh, they went on to get a prosthetic to then learn to run, to then go run competitively, to then, you know, get to the point where they can run in the uh, Paralympics. Like there are so many ways that people overcome their genetics and their situation athletically. And I think that we can probably make the most of our situation, whether it be a muscle growth endeavor or a fat loss endeavor, regardless of the genetics or the situations that are outside of your immediate control, right? And I also think there's a bias to leaning into what we're already good at. So genetically, I'll give you an example when it comes to muscular development. A lot of people really struggle with this. They struggle with like, okay, my calves are my weak spot and, and, or, oh, my arms are my weak spot. And it's like, well, if you know your weak spots, I bet you know your strong spots. And if you know your strong spots, I bet you do a shit ton of training for those muscles because it feels good. It fluffs the ego and you give the scraps that are fucking left over to those weak muscle groups. I have met a lot of people that complain about weak or lagging muscle groups that don't really train those muscle groups. I've done this myself with my arms. I used to bitch and moan, bitch and moan about my shitty arm genetics. Oh, my arm genetics are trash. Oh, I wish I could have big arms. Oh, I did too much chest and back early in my career. And now they're out of development and they're, I used to bitch and moan. But what ended up happening when I finally said, well, what, what, what happens if I go all in on arm training? And I started doing arm first or doing more arms than chest or more, or more triceps than chest or more biceps than back. I had to fight that identity thing. I was like, no, 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 wait, I can't possibly do more triceps in a session than chest. That would be weird. Chest is a bigger muscle. No, I had to change that shit around. And sure enough, my quote unquote bad arm genetics resulted in like an inch worth of arm growth in a year, which is nothing crazy. But for somebody who's been training for a while, who always thought they had shitty arms, you're pretty fucking pumped about it. And long story short, I learned an awful lot about the way that making complaints about my genetics was holding me back. And I think it's best to remember that you have to do the best you can with what you have. You can't change your genetics. We bias and kind of lean into stuff that we're already good at. And we might lean away from stuff that doesn't come so natural. And we often tend to work harder on the stuff that comes easy and run away from the hard stuff. And that ain't good for life. So I think there's some carryover to life there too. Um, and you know, restructure around that stuff. So if you think there's something holding you back or you will at least know that genetically you might be ill-equipped to handle something, Hey, you got to work that much harder. That's all there is to it. Here's another lie or, or thing that I think people tell themselves. This is number three. And this one fucking kills me. Uh, and it's the, if I had their schedule or if I had their life, I would look like that. Or I could look like that if I didn't have... Like the, I've been on scrolling social media, looking at the bodies of beautiful men and women whose bodies I envy, whose bodies I wish and had, or whose cars I wish and had, or whose success I wish I had. And, you know, if I just had their life and their schedule, then I would have all of the things that they have. And, and in this specific context, probably 
physique specific results, whether it's the big booty or the, the big biceps or the flat abs or, you know, the super chiseled chest. I would have that if I, I could do what they do all day. If I didn't have this job, I like, this is the thing again, you can't have their life. And why even bother thinking about it? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't, but why waste the damn energy comparing to a situation that will never happen. Will you ever be in the situation that that influencer's in where they are probably not working as many hours for you? Maybe they don't even have a boss. They're getting their supplementation probably paid for and provided for them for free. They have the ability to work out for a considerably longer amount of time. They might have the ability to break away and do cardio. And, you know, maybe they also have a disposable income that allows them access to the best plastic surgery in the world. Like, what are you doing comparing yourself to those people if you are not in that situation? I know social media makes it so hard, but to tell yourself, if, oh, if, if only I had their life, if only I had their situation, I'd be where they're at. Well, you don't have their life and you don't have their situation, but you have your life and you have your situation and you have today, tomorrow, and the immediate future to make whatever fucking changes you want to that. The second you start thinking about how you can restructure your day to make it better. And I understand that sometimes these things throw themselves upon us. When we go on social media, we can't stay away from them. They, they push themselves onto us. I get these little TikTok reels, short form video content of people going through their day really sped up, like these little micro blogs uh, or vlogs. And what gets me every time is like the desk aesthetics. So I always hang around and I like see these badass desks that are standing desks. They come up, they come down with badass monitors and stuff. And like people have all their little shit and their productivity stuff. And then they go in their day and they drink their, their green juice and they get in their car and they drive to the gym. You've seen these like rapid smash cut videos. And I see that and I'm like, I don't see anything else. I just go, damn, I fucking wish I had that desk. That desk is so sick. And that I think is a little bit more reasonable because I could theoretically look at that desk and go, okay, that's a cool desk. I want to, I want to create something like that for myself. So if you find people or find content that inspires you like that, that's one thing, but don't tell yourself that you would look and, and behave and have it so much easier or, or have what they have if you were in their situation. Cause one whatever got them in their situation probably required work or, you know, they got a handout that you ain't getting period. End of story. So one way or another, you're going to have to do the work. So you might as well stop complaining and just start doing it. Uh, number four is the notion that I'm just not a fitness person. I've heard this a lot, especially in one-on-one -on -one personal training. People who come to me and go, Oh, I need to lose weight, but I'm just not really a fitness person. I don't, I'm not really an exercise person. I don't know if people understand this, but a quote unquote fitness person is a meme. Like what is a fit person? Like you see them in TV shows and you see them in movies and you see them in cartoons and the way that fit people are portrayed is, you know, like tighter spandex, water bottle, hyperactive, probably wearing active wear, very energized, usually preachy, right? And I have just found after almost a decade doing this, there's a lot of quote unquote normal people who become quite fit without ever having to be a quote unquote fitness person. There's a lot of like small clicks inside of the fitness world, like powerlifting, bodybuilding, Peloton people, running people, Zumba people. And that part of their identity really shines, but they're still people there. I, I just don't, I just, the notion that uh, you're not a, a fitness person or fitness isn't for you. Like 
Fitness looks a million different ways. It can absolutely be for you. Maybe you just haven't found the part that works best into how you want the world to look at you or how you think the world should see you or how you'd like to be viewed. Like you don't, you know, you don't have to be like decked out in Lululemon with a fucking stainless steel water bottle and your AirPods and your hat down low to be a fitness person. All you have to do is be working on your fitness through one of the many ways. And you'll only go so far as like your identity is going to allow you to go. So if you say like, oh, I'm a fat, lazy, unhealthy person, or I'm not a fitness person, like you're not doing yourself a whole lot of favors and hopefully ingraining some element of fitness into your identity, right? Speak kindly about yourself. You don't know what's coming down the road. You might not love fitness. And quite frankly, you know what? I love coaching and teaching fitness sometimes a lot more than I love working out. And I don't consider myself a gym rat and I don't consider myself the great trainer in the world. I consider myself Danny, a guy who likes to work out and stay healthy and helps guide other people there. Like the whole, I'm not one of those fit people or I'm just not a fitness person. Like you got to scrap that because your fitness is important. And whether you are or are not naturally inclined to, you know, lean into it, uh, don't limit yourself with the language. This is the last and perhaps most frustrating one, which is I don't have the time to work out. People oftentimes will communicate that they don't have the time to work out. And I think it makes sense. And I think there's an awful lot of nuance here because me at 27 with no children and no main responsibilities outside of managing my business, which does take up a lot of time, like it's it's not necessarily a particularly empathetic stance to be like, you do have the time to work out. You just don't want it bad enough. Because I think that delivery is fucking terrible and scares people away. But the truth is, most people do have fucking time to work out and they just don't want to because it's hard to overcome the resistance and friction of moving when you're tired and stressed. And so like if if I were to tell you you needed to work out just like me, that would be an insensitive hogwash dipshit comment. But if I told you like, no, you need to work out, like no matter how tired you are, no matter how busy you are, you need to make time for moving your body and taking care of yourself and nurturing yourself with foods that are dense in nutrition that can look a million different ways and come from a million different places. And you should probably avoid adding excessive amounts of body fat or allowing your blood pressure to raise to a certain level or allowing, allowing your blood sugars and A1C to go past certain thresholds. There's nothing wrong with telling people like, hey, you know what? You should probably make some time to work out even if you're busy. And, you know, we can frame that around your schedule. I think one of the biggest mistakes that ever got made was people thinking you needed to train like five or six days a week to be in killer shape. You can get in the best shape of your life training three days a week if you train smart, especially if you're not doing anything or you have a history of not doing a whole hell of a lot. That being said, right, um, you, you probably need to give yourself time to see results. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, and, you know, a little bit can go a long way. That's why I created kind of the Home Heroes workout program on the app for people who are training from home who don't even really have the time to get to the gym. But I also created Elite Physique for the gym and really made sure that it was efficient. Like your workouts can take under an hour. And if you don't have an hour, you can do 30 minutes. And if you don't have 30 minutes, you can do 15 minutes. If you can do 15 minutes five times a week, boom, right there without even kind of thinking about it, you just went way over an hour. And that's better than nothing. But if you can only do three times a week, do three. Something's always better than nothing, guys. And, and I think that a lot of people get really tied up into these identities. They say things like, oh, I just have a slow metabolism. I can't, I can't get it done. It's just my, my genetics, so I can't get it done. Or, oh, if I just, if I just had their life and their schedule, I'd, I, I'd be good to go. Or, oh, I'm, just, I'm not one of those people. I'm, you know, I'm just not a fitness person. Or, oh, you know, I, just, I, I don't have the time for it. Like, you can hear, as I say these exasperatedly in an acting style fashion, like, you've heard this stuff before. 
And all there is some semblance of truth to every single one of these things that's ever been said by anyone ever. But I think my main take home is what the hell are you going to do about it? What are you going to do it? You know, when? Today, now, do what you can with what you have, take it one day at a time. Uh, I, I think that these things are fair to say, but unpack them and look to find solutions, not problems. All right, guys, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. If you liked it, please do me a favor, leave me a five-star rating and review on the iTunes or Spotify store. It helps more people find the podcast. Share it to your Instagram story, tag me, tell me what you liked about it in that written review that you leave right there on the iTunes store. You can scroll down to the show notes and find it. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll catch you on the next one.